It's a huge shit sandwich and we're all gonna have to take a bite. Are you ready? Hey, think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... All right, so let's go ahead and get this ball rolling then, shit. Paranoia Playhouse, you came back again. We appreciate that very much. And y'all know right now, you got your boy Reverend Fry Daddy and Gassy Slay with y'all tonight. And this is going to be part two with Malcolm X exposing, exposing the liberal media and liberal politicians in America back in 1965. Well, at least the 60s, you know. So, Rob, before we get into the video, before we got playing it all, what's going on, brother? Oh, shoot, not much. I'm enjoying my last day of vacation. Um, a mini vacation. Oh, you had two days off in a row? Yeah. Okay, it's a mini vacation today. I got two days off. I'm going on break. Right. Um, I got to go with my mom in the morning and do some laundry. Right. Before I oh. go to work tomorrow. It's a, it's a late day for me. And tomorrow's what, the 2 p.m. shift? Yep. Okay. Yeah, let's see if we'll get this done early and get this out of the way. And you can get it into bed and be rested up and get ready to go. Yeah. Hey, other than that, I mean, it's been a um, pretty much straightforward week. I'm trying to wind down and from all this adulting and everything. But, I, you know, you got to do what you got to do to make the world, world revolve in your, in your life and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that this is my last week of... um being stressed out and all that and go back to just being straight up Reverend Fry Daddy. <laughs> right. Uh, well, other than that, let's go and get into the video. Let the audience hear what's going on. Now, this right. week, um, like I was saying to you, I was explaining to them real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I got a bunch of, so I got a bunch of material. You know, I, was, I had to separate it into three different parts. But for some reason, when I made this video here, it was shorter than the first one. And I'm like, well, I got to put some more on there. So I, I put some more on there, and it still was like, okay, okay, we got it good. We're going to try to keep the show tonight um, at least under, you know, 35, 40 minutes. Because we actually ran an hour show last week. I mean, we, we come up with some good shit because we have a great conversation. But we got to run this clip real quick, and I'll let y'all hear it. And then we'll come back and have a discussion about it. That sound fair? Okay. That sounds fair. Hey. All right, Paranoia Playhouse, we'll be right back with y'all. Y'all enjoy. We'll never negotiate. We will no longer tolerate and we will no longer be afraid. It's your turn to be afraid. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. 
and white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football, and the white liberals control this ball through tricks or tokenism, false promises of integration and civil rights. In this game of deceiving and using the American Negro, the white liberals have complete cooperation of the Negro civil rights leader, who sell our people out for a few crumbs of token recognition, token gains, token progress. In the New York Tribune, in an editorial dated February the 5th, 1960, they pointed out that out of 11 million qualified Negro voters, only 2,700,000 actually take time to vote. This means that, roughly speaking, only 3 million out of the 11 million Negroes who are qualified to vote take an active part. And the remaining 8 million remain voluntarily inactive. And yet it is this small minority, the 3 million Negro voters, who help determine who will be the next president. If who will be the next president can be influenced by three million Negro voters, it is easy to see why the presidential candidates of both political parties put on such a false show with the civil rights bill and promises of integration. They must impress the three million voting Negroes who are the actual integration seekers. And if so much fuss is made over these three million integration seekers, what would the presidential candidates have to do to appease the 8 million non-voting Negroes if they ever decided to become politically active? They hold the balance of power. Who are the 8 million non-voting Negroes? What do they want? And why don't they vote? The 3 million uh, Negro, uh, Negro voters are the so-called middle-class Negroes, or high-class Negroes, or uppity Negroes, who are referred to by the late Howard University sociology professor E. Franklin Frazier as the black bourgeoisie, who have been educated to think as patriotic individualists with no racial pride whatsoever, who believe in and look forward to the future integrated, intermarried society that is constantly being promised to them by the Negro politician. And therefore, this integration-minded three million minority remain an active part of the white-controlled political parties. But it must never be overlooked that these three million Negro integration seekers are only a small minority of the 11 million qualified Negro voters. 
The eight million non-voting Negroes are the majority, the downtrodden black masses. They have refused to vote. They've refused to take a part in politics because they reject the Uncle Tom approach of the clergy politician leadership that has been handpicked for the, for the so-called Negroes by the white man himself. This clergy politician leadership does not speak for the Negro majority. They don't speak for the black masses. They speak for the black bourgeoisie, the brainwashed, white-minded, middle-class minority, who because they are ashamed of their race, because they are ashamed of being black, and don't want to be identified with black, they are seeking to lose this black identity by mixing and mingling and intermarrying and integrating with the white society. The race problem cannot be solved by listening to the white-minded, brainwashed minority. The white man must try to learn what the black majority wants. The president would be wise to try and learn what the black masses want. And the only way to find this out is by listening to the man who speaks for the black masses. And I can declare to you tonight and to the entire world that the man here in America who speaks for the majority, the downtrodden, dissatisfied black masses, is this same man who so many thousands of our people are flocking toward to see and hear. This same Mr. Muhammad who is labeled by you as a black supremacist and as a racist and as an extremist. If the three million middle-class Negroes are casting their ballots for integration and intermarriage, what do the non-voting black masses who are in the majority want? Find out what the black masses want, and then perhaps America's grave race problem can be solved. There is a message for you. Never let your enemy tell you how, how, uh, how many of you there are. Never let the man that you're against form your opinions. This is the trick that's played on everyone who's oppressed. The first thing, an occupation, uh, when you have a revolution in the country, the first thing you take over is the radio. And then you start telling the people that everybody, the war is over. And, 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 and so all of them surrender. No, they believe that thing right there. And once they take that over, they start telling you uh, where you are and where they are, and you fall right in line. It's plain thought control. The majority of the American people aren't segregationists. That the majority of the American people aren't imperialists. But the government is. The structure is. The power faction is. So, what, how, how then do all the majority go along with it? Because those who sit in power over the television, over the radio, and over the press is constantly telling those who are the masses how free they are. And how, and how, how this they are and how that they are. So the, a mistake is made on your part uh, when you think that poverty of uh, um, uh, in money that what that we're talking about poverty in spirit poverty in in freedom poverty in equality poverty in human dignity this is the kind of poverty we're we're suffering from so that the richest Negro in this country is still poor when it comes to freedom he's broke when it comes to human dignity he's broke this is the kind of poverty we're talking about so when you find white people who are poor with all these doors that there are open to them. Any door that you knock on, if you're qualified, it'll open. So when you find a poor white person, he's in bad shape. 
If somebody built it, somebody can unbuild it. All right, you ready to get back into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Paranoia Playoffs. Everybody, there, like I said, um, uh, I heard a lot of things in there, and I said my my whole idea of presenting Malcolm X to everybody out there in this world is to show you that he did, you know, point out patterns. He did uh, connect the dots. He did, you know, try to expose the liberal media, the liberal politicians. At the same time, you know, uh, but it seems like a lot of people forgot what he said. And, and try to warn folks about, and they're still doing it to this day, you know. And um, and right. I, I I get it if you want to choose a political party to represent, like you know, I know a lot of folks voted Democrat because they hated Trump. But I'm like, just because you hate somebody doesn't mean you got to go vote for the enemy. But I understand that people made their choice; they did whatever they did. Um, and I I said it before, and I say it again. It's like I don't support either side. I look at their policies. I look at what they do. And right now, I'm not seeing anything good happening, you know, from the left. Now, if anybody out there is, you know, left-leaning, liberal, um, progressive, moderate, whatever you want to call yourself, if y'all can show me anything positive happening right now in America, um, point it out to me. I, I'm curious because I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing there's a lot of bad things happening <coughs> to a lot of good folks. Right. And I, you know, we're one of them. Now, I'm pretty sure the people... Right. Uh, you know, in the greenhouse, the people with the money and all that, they, they don't really struggle like we do. Well, I, I know they don't struggle like we do. So maybe they're not getting affected like we are because like around my town, you know, high gas prices, um, cost of food going up, no food at all, you know, um, because everything is supply chain right now, issues going on. But I mean, we're getting, you know, hit hard with a lot of this shit. And that's due to, you know, putting the um, liberals in office. But then again, that's, you know, something they got to figure out. I just got to figure out how to survive with it. So now, other than that, so what, what do you think about Malcolm X talking about, um, you know, not just the um, integration and segregation and all that. I, I get all that uh, idea. But how he actually talked about the, you know, the Negro being the political football. Um, I feel like that is mostly true because you know they do play on us you know a lot you know right you know but, like uh, they play uh, on our um emotions they um try to like hey vote for me you know i'll do this for you i'll do that for you hence the um obama era you know right now see i was all about it because even if obama was a democrat i was all about it because you know, we finally get to put a black man in the, in the White House. I, I was I was all about that. You know, I see right. his um, political record. <clears throat> I, I you know study some of his uh, policies, and I'm like, this is going to work out good for everybody because it's going to have you know all things going on on good sides. But turns out, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people had the same issue. Is like, well, damn, that sucked. <laughs> you know, and especially with Obamacare, I mean, that pissed a lot of people off. You know, right? I mean, I mean, what it is with that? Uh, what it is? What it was that really? Got me is like people were saying that Barack Obama was sending out stimulus checks. I didn't get in a stimulus check. No, I don't remember. I, I don't remember anything about that at all. I remember George W. doing that, but I don't remember um, um, Barack Obama giving out no stimulus checks. I don't remember that at all. All yeah, I remember I is somebody, that. Go ahead. I think people were mentioning that he was sending out two hundred fifty dollars stimulus checks. I didn't get one. I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. All I remember is like I wasn't I never into the politics back then, but I remember a lot of people. I mean, that was the main conversation with Obamacare, how 
they were being forced to have insurance, otherwise they get fined on their taxes. Um, yeah, I, that I, was a big. Yeah, I seen a lot of that. So, but that really didn't affect me because I was um, in between worlds at the time. I was uh, pretty much homeless, or I was, you know, couch surfing, or I was, you know, just trying to make it in this world without, you know, while surviving. So I wasn't really focused on. I didn't have a job, you know. I didn't have anything. I was that's ter- during my time of being disabled. So I was pretty much, you know, not involved in anything political. But uh, so it didn't affect me to have insurance. But I know a lot of people that I talked to, a lot of people I talked to, that was one of their main beasts was the Obamacare situation. And I'm like, I, I, I understand it. I get it. I do right. get it. Now, at the yeah, same time, but, oh, go ahead. Um, go ahead. And the, yeah, the Obamacare thing, I, I heard a lot of that same conversation, how, like, Barack Obama was going to start, you know, finding people if oh, they did. they did Obamacare. No, they did. They, that, that, was, that happened a lot. Um, people who didn't have insurance or were forced to get insurance, they didn't have insurance, they got fined on their taxes or they got um, something happened with, you know, their income. That, that, that was happening a lot, and then a lot of people were talking about that. A lot right. of people were talking about that a lot, but it's like it didn't really affect me because, like I said, I was, you know, in between worlds, I was homeless and surviving out there, so I didn't have a job. I had to worry about insurance. I didn't file taxes, so, but I know a lot of folks that did, and it's like that's one of their main complaints, and, and a majority of that came from the black community. You know, they, that's because right. I, I talk, still talk to my uncles and aunts and everything, and that's something they talk about a lot is, you know, how, how he going to fuck his own people. You know, I was like, wow. You know, I was like, wow. So I was like, right. mm-hmm. so that, you know, it wasn't just he was hurting, you know, um, the, um, the white community. He was hurting everybody. I mean, everybody of any kind of color, race, creed, religion, whatever and shit. If you had a job and paid taxes, you had to have insurance. If you didn't have insurance, you got fined. So he pretty much, yeah, but my aunt was like, how he gonna fuck his own people? I'm like, wow. <laughs> and this coming from you yeah. know, um, you know, you know, the black community. And I'm like, wow. I was like, damn. And you know, I feel like you know that right there. You know, that's one of the mistakes that he um, made. I mean, I felt like he might have done mostly good, but when it came to the insurance thing, that was one of the ones that you know, even though it got him, even though people voted for him twice and got him eight years right. in office. Right. That, you know, that's one of the main things that could have gotten him in a whole lot of trouble. Now, speaking of that, uh, let me ask you about that then. Now, so he got reelected twice. Now, you think the second time around, it was the same idea that nobody wanted to vote for the Republican Party because who was running or they just wanted to support Obama or they just, you know, what's the um, choosing the lesser of two evils, if you will? Um... I have to. I would have to say because people wanted to keep a black man in office, and you got a lot of people that say if you know Barack Obama could have ran a third term, they would have voted for him again. Well, he is. He is. He has a third term right now. He's Joe Biden's puppet master. That's. Oh, he even said it himself. I mean, he. You know, I. I, I watch how people talk. Okay, I watch. You know, um, their language, their body language. I listen to their speeches and all that. But you know, Obama right, right. now, yeah, he's pretty much still controlling um, Biden. You know, and the things that he says, because if you hear when um, Joe Biden reads from the teleprompter <clears throat> and reads his speeches, you can almost hear Barack Obama talking, you know. But now with Joe Biden don't have a right. teleprompter, he's like, nah, yak, 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 wah, 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 wah. But when he's reading from that, um, that speech craft, you, you actually hear Obama's um, like terminology, his ideology. You hear a lot of those things. So I, 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 I've heard people say that this is Obama's third term, and I, and I do believe that. And then people call conspiracy, they can call whatever and shit, but it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, 
also also coming back to um playing on a Negro mind is what as Malcolm X was talking about. You know, a lot of these politicians did that, you know, I'll do this and say I'll do this and I'll do that for the black community and all of that and then come to find out we still sitting in the same old shitty ass, you know, situation that we're in now, killing each other. We're um we are uh, still like pitting each other against each other, you know. Um, still got some. Well, I ain't gonna say. I ain't gonna say all black families. Uh, uh, most black families still, you know, in fighting. You know, uh, not getting along with each other, and it's a it's a whole bunch of stuff. Huh? Yeah. Now, um, you think that still comes from the actual, you know, the Democratic Party, the liberals, progressives? I mean, voting for them all the time because. Like I said, I know it's a common theme during um, election years for uh, the minority. Well, like, you know, we talked about it last week. The black community actually to go vote Democrat because that's something they've done all their lives. Now, is it because they are feel they need to or they have to or they want to? I see that's the question I keep asking uh, myself. Let I'm me like, um, walk you back in history because somebody told me, you know, that the last Democrat that we had living – um, a good Democrat, as they call him, was JFK. I was, I was going to say it because I know there was an issue with John Malcolm X and JFK, but he didn't, you know, call him out as a bad president. He would try to give him ideas on what to do, but he was pointing out some things that he was doing because of his political party, which is the Democrat Party. So he still, right. you know, looked at Democrats as being deceitful, but he, because uh, um, there was that when um the Nation of Islam um booted him out. I know you know about all that, right? Yeah, when we found out about Bahama having all the illegitimate kids and all that, um, they are uh, pretty much excommunicated him from the Nation of Islam and all that. Um, but he didn't. He didn't call out. He didn't go to the press. He didn't make it public that uh, Muhammad made all these kids and everything because he still wanted the the black people to stay in the Nation of Islam to stay away from the streets, the drugs, the violence. You know, you know all that stuff. Right. He so he felt that if he would have called out Muhammad and said, "Well, he had all these illegitimate kids." Then a lot of these brothers would have left and went back to the street. So he didn't. He kept his mouth silent even when they kicked him out of the nation of Islam. So uh, right. I, I look at it. And I'm like, well, that, that's, that's that's strong right there. Even though he was, you know, booted out, he was excommunicated, he was, you know, cast aside. He still had that belief in the the, the idea itself. You know, not the leader right. anymore, but the idea itself. Even um um. His own son, um, what's his name, Walter, Walter yeah. Muhammad. Yeah, he was kicked out because he's the one that actually um, turned Malcolm X on to it. He goes, "Yeah, my daddy got all these illegitimate kids, you know, throughout America and all that." And um, he was kicked out also. So, but um, right. like I said, so, but they tried to. Uh, he he even said in that that um that um you no know, video clip there, or not that video, but the one I actually watched. Um, that the National Islam actually has their own media source, and they put out information about you know how Malcolm X was, you know, not to be trusted. He was this and that. I mean, they're putting out all kinds of false narratives with their own news media. So we had this, you know, black run news media putting out false narratives about Malcolm X. And he still kept silent because he believed in the idea of taking the brothers from the streets from all the danger and, you know, bringing them to that world. So, um, yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. So I, I, um, the idea of the media trying to, you know, paint narratives, like I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, and Malcolm X said it himself. I said both sides lie. It's just right now, mm-hmm. I, the right is lying a lot less. They're still lying because I catch them. You know, they're lying a lot less. But he even said it himself, the liberals are deceitful. You know, so I'm thinking in my mind, if 
all my life growing up, people always quoted Malcolm X. Or um, they, you know, they talk about how great of a leader he was, speaker and all that, how he tried to, you know, bring people together and all this. And then, you know, had a different message. How did people forget the uh, what he told everybody? Oh, by the way, the liberals are not your friends. They, they are not here to help you. They're here to keep you down. But people still vote for them. So it's like, how are you going to, you know, support the idea of an icon like Malcolm X and still give your um, love to somebody that's going to keep you down? So I, I, question, right. I question those things, you know, I'm like, how does that happen? How does that happen? Right. I mean, like, you got a lot of people, okay, you got a lot of today's politicians, you know, let's talk about this, you know, the um, talk about the Green New Deal, which they can't get passed. Oh, right. right. Let's talk about, you know, um, this Voting Rights Act. I mean, yes, I do believe you need um, stronger voting rights to prevent, you know, um, a certain minority of people from being, you know, disenfranchised when it comes to voting, you know. Actually, um, uh, you know, hang on, let's stop you right here real quick. Do you know that right now that 78% of African Americans in America actually support the voting rights, the new ones? I didn't know that. Because the, the liberal media won't tell you those things. You got to go to, you got to outsource it, independence. Or you got to go to the right media. Like I said, they still lie, but they lie a lot less. I didn't, they, say I didn't support voting rights. I didn't say that now. I know, I know, but I'm saying, but I know the left media praise it as, oh, the voting rights bill is, you know, systemic racism. It's uh, keeping um, disenfranchised people from, uh, you know, doing this and that. Actually, they're not. They're actually 78% of Americans, African Americans right now support the new voting rights uh, acts and all that. But they won't, they won't tell you that on the liberal media. And I'm like, if you actually tell people the truth, what would happen? You know, I'm not saying tell all the truth, but at least, you know, say, hey, by the way, people do support this, the idea of the new voting rights. Don't make it as, you know, oh, I, everything can be political, of course, but I, I hate to cut you off there, but I'm saying that was the thing I thought was funny is that 78% of African-Americans actually support the voting rights. So um, now what were you going to say back past that? I mean, what I, what I was going to say was, you know, that's, that's huge right there, and, you know, for, you know, a lot of the infighting amongst both sides, you know, both sides lie, you know. Right. Um, I feel like if everybody just came together, you know, went on ahead and got this passed, you know, we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't have any future situation like what happened in Milwaukee, Wisconsin happened again. Right. Now, um... <clears throat> Like I said, I know what uh, <clears throat> one of the main narratives they ran all year and still running it is that America is, you know, racist. And I'm like, I understand a person can be or a group can be, but there's no way you're going to tell me that the United States of America is racist because, like we just talked about, we elected a black man twice. You know, we yeah, got so how can um, we be racist? What's for a right, right, right. So that you're trying to tell me is that there's, you know, uh, how many? He got what, 65 million votes the first time around? Right. Is that what? So you're trying to tell me yeah. that 60 million people and the majority of them are Caucasian. And if they're racist, how do they vote for a black man? So I, I can't believe the idea. But I understand there are nope. policies and there are people in this world that um, will do things to hold down somebody else that they don't like because of the color of their skin. I, I understand that. Those yeah, are the ones and, uh, got to figure out for. But now, and when, there's one situation in particular I like to bring up. Like I was watching a Goldcast wait. video. There was this dude, you know, I forget his name. But there was this dude that's living in Alabama, right? Right. He was minding his own business, and um, this was um, 
back in uh back around the um I believe it was the nineteen seventies. Um and he happened to just be walking down the street, minding his own business. Um I think uh, it was a local police department in Alabama. One of the a couple of the police officers came up to him and arrested him and falsely charged him with um killing a cop. Right. And uh, he said, I didn't have nothing to do with that. But um, he said, the white cop said, I don't care whether you did it or not. I'm still going to find you guilty. You're going to have an all-white jury. You're going to have a white judge. You're going to have um, a white prosecutor. And there's a couple of things that, um, he, a couple other ones that he said that pointed out that, you know, pointed to um, him being found guilty just because of the color of his skin. And he sat for 16 years on death row until um, his case got opened back up and come to find out there was no evidence that he even did it and all the evidence pointed somewhere else. And they acquitted the man and he walked out after serving 30 years um, for a crime he didn't do. Now, uh, where I grew up at is, uh, I was like, one of the main common mottos for criminals in my neighborhood and in my family and all that is the 13 and a half. You got one judge, 12 jury, and a half-ass chance to get your black ass out of jail. Now, that was a motto we had, you know. But um, you hit it right on the head when you said the 1970s. But, yeah, I understand that those time periods were way different in the um, structure of politics and the police force. I mean, the, I mean, because I, I grew up not, you know, believing in um, the, the police um, needing them for anything because I knew they were dirty, you know. But right. I'm saying not everybody. I mean, it's 2021. Not every police officer in America now is, you know, like that in the 70s. Yeah, that was a that was a main thing back then because I mean, the majority of the police force was white. You know, they had to hire a, a Latino or an Asian or a Black American, or they had to hire, you know, I mean, whatever they had to hire to keep the, you know, um, diversity alive. You know, the, um, but the majority of it was, you know, white construct. It was the mentality of the um, white politician that, um, you know, because they they fund the police, so the Democrats, you know, created a police force, you know, whole nine yards, and the Republicans right there with them, they fund them, you know, right. whole nine yards. So. These police forces through America and mostly in the South were, you know, filled with people with that hate in their hearts. And they got jobs as a police officer. They got jobs as lieutenants, captains. I mean, they, they ran squads, you know. So it's like, uh, right. but so that's why, that's, why, that's why I'm trying to figure out all last year and this year. I'm like, this is not new, but it's not uh, happening all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. So we, we still right. got to figure out how to weed them out. You know, I mean, they yeah, can do psychological. Yeah, we can. We, a handful of, yeah, but they're sorry, not a, they're not a majority a of. Go ahead. Yeah, they're not a majority of um, white cops that are racist, but they are in there. We we got to weed them out. That's that's the meaning. We right. got anybody with hate in their heart, no matter what color your skin is, we got to weed them out because they're there to protect people, no matter who they are. So if you could have right, any, gonna, go ahead. I was going to say this. Okay. So the reason I say that only that, don't, that dude is part of only a handful of cases. Like I mentioned, um, P.S. You got this, you know. I'm right. bring it up on a paranoia playhouse. Um, the Cleveland Three, three men who served 39 years for um a crime they didn't do, but got but got a total of 18 million dollars in settlement money to split between the three of them, and then 
um, John Bunn out of New York, uh, corrupt um, police, corrupt, corrupt NYPD police detective, Louis Scarcella, um, gave that man, you know, pretty much life in prison, but he served 27 years in total for a crime he didn't commit. And now he's right. out now, here selling books, you know. Right. And that's what everybody does. No matter who you are, good or bad, you go out and sell a book. And you're going to, you know, tell your story, no matter if it's, you know, real or fake. It doesn't matter. Now, we talk about right. the brutality. I mean, you go back to even, um, like I say, you know, the 50s and 60s, but um, California and the police uh, out there with the uh, the Mexicans, the Batucos, you know, the zoot suits and all that. And that's all they did. They wanted, they wanted to, you know, make them, point them out to be evil and, you know, dangerous and murderous and just violent criminals so that anytime you see a Mexican... You think automatically we got to destroy them, you know, put them in jail. Even if they didn't commit a crime, we're going to plant drugs on them, plant evidence on them. So, I mean, that, that happened quite a bit. And I'm not saying it don't happen nowadays because, I, like I said, I know that there are still people in this police force through America that have, you know, issues with other people because of the color of their skin. We got to weed them out. Right. That's what I'm saying. But we can't point the finger at the entire police force and say, oh, they're all, they're all dangerous. They're all, you no. know – hateful so yeah I, that's one thing i always thought talk about i was like so malcolm x talked about the liberal media um last week and this week you know how they point out they try to paint the portrait of a certain um, class of people or race of people to be a certain way and they promote it and promote it and then people that don't know them read those things and think oh they're dangerous they're murderous see i'm like i said i feel blessed because i wasn't raised in a white community so for 13 right. years all I saw was, you know, how it, the, the narrative was painted towards the black community. So I was okay, like, so, you know, so when you meet when you meet regular white folks, they're like, did you know that the black man does this? I'm like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? No, they don't. How do you know? I'm, well, because I live there. <laughs> you know, I yeah, we gonna, got, I was going to say uh, the same thing uh, with the um, Latino community. You know, <laughs> they talk a lot about, you know, MS-13, yeah. There, is, there was like a lot of Latino things and stuff like that. Right. Um, Everybody has their own uh, bad eggs, if you will. Every right. community has bad eggs. Yeah. Just because the MS-13 is Latino in origin doesn't mean that all Latinos are involved in MS-13. You right. know? Not everybody who is um, from the Middle East is Al-Qaeda. You know? Right. I, 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 I get that idea. I, I, I've always understood that idea. But there's people in this world that actually buy into those um, narratives because they only read one side of the media or listen to a narrative right. that they're being printed at them. So I, I say shame on the media for painting those narratives, even if they know it's all bullshit. But see, they're being told what to do by somebody else. I get that, you know. See, how, how, but how I learned about, you know, not everybody in every race is bad because it's like I've been around, you know, the Latino community. I've been around, you know, like I've been around not the Latino community, but I've been around the um, people that are from the Latino community. I've been around, uh, I've been in um, plenty of stores where there's like people that come over here from Middle Eastern countries like Iran and um, other Middle Eastern countries that are actually not had bad, but they come over here and they buy a store and they open up and they, um, you know, mainly liquor stores and, you know, sell, do business like that. You know what I mean? Like they trying to, they trying to, you know, achieve the American dream. Buy, you know, make money and support your family, you know, and live in this right. world. That's 
mean, that's that's the American dream. But I, I but I do understand that there are people in the political realms that are trying to keep a certain demographic down to make one other side prosper over the other. I, I get I totally get that. But the bad the bad thing about that is that same political bound um, group, whatever, is comprised of different cultures, of different colors, different ideas, you know. So it's not just the white politicians, but they're they're the main ones because it's the green money that rules everything. And like um, right. Malcolm X about you know the bourgeoisie, you know the the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. black man because you talk about it ourselves. I know there's some black folks in there that you know got money and they live in the upper class neighborhoods and the high communities that look down on their own people because they don't think they're right. You know, you know so they're out there acting as, as what we like to call. Bougie or as, you know, I've heard the term used in Louisiana as not saying bougie, they kind of like put the, make, they said them saying bougie, yeah, they say yeah. bougie, or bourgeois, bourgeois, or whatever that is, right, whatever right. that means, like uppity, that's what they're saying. Right, right. And, and like I said, that's, but that goes for a lot of the white folks, too. I mean, that goes for like, I mean, say, I mean, hey, pretty much any diverse community, it goes the same way, because there's, I mean, look how many white folks out there putting other white folks down, you know? Right. I, so I mean, it's, it's a it's, lot it's, of that going on in my family, you know. Like, got certain people that get there to a certain spot and think they shit don't stink. Right. See, and that's why I say that's why that's why I keep saying this all the time. I say it all the time. I, I don't change. I don't anything. It's about the money. It ain't about the 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 race. It's about the class. It's classism. Right. It's not the economy. It ain't got nothing to do with who you are. It's about how much money you have, and you know right. which with that money that's that's what i'm saying the people get that money and them you know they're like you know fuck everybody else you know or you could have got right. yours but they try to get theirs motherfucker that they try to get theirs so won't you take that power that you have earned you know and try to you know make a change for somebody else pay it forward you know but no right. they want to sit behind and behind those stone walls and those you know, gated fences and be like well i made it out fuck them you know, I, I I see that. I see that. And I'm pretty sure now, that a lot of people work. Just like you, I'm going to say this. Like, but nah, just like you got that nice house and that nice neighborhood, you know, um, you got that, um, you live in a nice gated community or, you know, moved on up to the east side and got you a little That's bit of right, money right. in your pocket. You think you all that in a bag of chips. I'm gonna, I'm, I mean, I'm going to say this on the Christian side of things. Um, you know, um, I know I know you believe in several different deities, but right. you know, I was gonna say God giveth and God taketh away. Now, and and see that's the bad part is because you know we can get into religious concept, you know, con- uh, ideology, but the idea, you know, God really can't intervene. All He can do is give you the the, the toy box and y'all play in it. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. Um, but. I just hope that, you know, people, and I'm pretty sure, and I'm actually almost certain that a lot of people in this world don't really give a fuck what the news media says or the politicians say, because even like where I live at, dude, we, I, I get greeted and I greet people the same way with common decency. I get called honey, baby, you know, by different multiple cultures of um, women and everything, you know, because I'm friendly with everybody, you know, so right. I, I, almost certain from the bottom of my heart that a lot of people in this world are not buying the bullshit that the politicians and the media is putting out there, but they still put it out there because that's, that's their part of their, their job. You know, it's part of their, to try to either keep somebody down or try to, you know, um, 
portray somebody in a certain light, that's their job. But so shame on them for trying to do those things because you are still a human being and you're object, uh, just um, objectifying somebody else for that dollar, you know? Right. You know, you want to um, make somebody else look bad to make yourself look good. That's not and And, you know, you can't, you can't get very far with that for very long because of the fact of eventually that will yeah. blow up in your face. Right. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, like I said, now, instead of God giving God taken away, I'm hoping that, you know, the powers that be gave it and the powers that be taken away because um, off topic, you know, the whole Facebook thing going on right now, I'm like, I'm watching it and so I'm like, yeah, y'all playing a dangerous game. Oh, and speaking of off topic, off topic, did you know that Malcolm X in that um, last part of the, uh, the clip actually quoted um, um, George Orwell? Uh, I I didn't realize. I don't know. I might not have paid attention to that, but I didn't. That's, that's yeah. neat to know. Yeah, it's funny when he said when we talk about the revolution. The first thing you do with the revolution is you take over the radio station and tell everybody the war is over. Then they surrender. That's actually from 1984. That's actually the whole premise of it. They tell you the news, and it even says thought criminal. You know, uh, uh, you know, um, the thought control. I mean, so I'm like, damn. Um, I, even Malcolm X understood what George Orwell was trying to tell everybody about, you know, the idea of how to control someone through manipulation. And I was like, that is fucking awesome right there. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, and, and it happens every day. And, you know, I think my, that same co-worker was talking about, you know, the whole 666 patent with the vaccine. Yeah. And, you know, he said, the crime, he was talking about, you know, the whole crime situation. I feel like, you know, it's highly prevalent, you know, in the uh, black areas of Louisville, she said, no, nah, it's all across the city. I know it's all across the city. You know, I feel like, you know, it's always been highly prevalent down here, but then, you know, it's becoming more and more highly prevalent, even in parts of Louisville. There used to be the good parts of Louisville. They're starting to turn bad, you know, like my aunt's neighborhood that she lives in. That was a good side until, you know, um, they put up the Bay Shore project out in the south side of town, and that's when things started to go downhill, you know, getting a lot of the wrong people to start living over there. And, you know, and that's when my cousin actually, my cousin went over there and hung out in those um, projects. And then next thing you know, he come back being found, you know, unresponsive in my aunt's yard because somebody gave him a deadly bit of fentanyl, which is a very deadly drug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I want to hold that conversation for next week. We're going to get out of here pretty soon. But, um, I, I did want to talk about the idea of um, the how criminals are being, you know, treated more softly now. But I know we talked about, you know, a little while ago about even the seventies, people being falsely accused of crimes and being in prison for thirty something years. But they're right now in America, there actually are active criminals committing crimes and and getting out of jail. So I want to hold it up for next week. But before we get out of here, like I said, I mean, the main focus this week is, you know, we had an icon such as Malcolm X, you know show us and tell us that the liberal politicians, the liberal media was out there against you and use you as a token or a pawn in their game. And, and it seems like some reason that people still want to believe them. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, how many folks in this world actually still believe in the Democrats, the progressives and the liberals, because if they're, if they are the ones keeping everybody down, why is everybody still supporting them? That's what I'm curious about. But other than that, before we I get mean, out, I mean, I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see this. Um, before before we get out of here, I'm yeah. starting to see a pattern myself. You know, of like, I mean, there's not just infighting, but like, you know, I live in a city 
I'm living in the city of Louisville, right? And right. I Metro Council versus the whole well, the whole state of Kentucky is mainly super majority Republican. We are the only county in the state of Kentucky that's super majority Democrat. And I see a few changes, but like as far as like things that we would really want down here on my end of town, we don't have. What, what did Malcolm what did Malcolm X says? If he was a president, a good president, he would find out what the black masses wanted. You know? Not, yeah, not what they I think mean, they not what they think that you what they want. Find out what they want. You know, that's what so you got the local communities down there, you know, and like you said right there, they need to figure out what's gonna help make the communities better. You know, ask okay, them what they need. Um, so ask them ask right, I mean, like putting a YMCA, I was gonna say put a YMCA down here that's nice for somebody who wants to go get exercise all the time. But what right, about if, you know, when we had our movie theater and all that Broadway cinemas, and then, you know, way back when, if you come here to Louisville and, you know, you actually come down to my end of town, you talk to a lot of the older folks, they'll tell you about this theme park that we used to have down here called um, Fountain Ferry Park that um, closed down for good many moons ago. You know, and, and it's, in, uh, lo- it's located on present-day grounds of... Um, Shawnee Park and Shawnee Golf Course and all of that and Fontaine Landing um, subdivision, which is right behind um, Shawnee Golf Course, you know. Um, well, not behind, but ahead of Shawnee Golf Course on the east side of it, that is. Um, they'll tell you about that. And um, it's not, I, I would like to do some research in history as to why that place closed down, what led to the demise of it. And, you know, um, what go into what led to the demise of? Uh, I mean, I knew what led to the demise of Broadway Roller Rink. It was too many, too many of our kind that didn't know how to act. You know, um, when I say you don't know how to act, didn't go in there and didn't know how to act civil and just have some fun instead of fighting all the time. You know what I mean? Well, that's because we were told, you know, we are the enemies of each other by people, and that's the whole thing. Malcolm X pointed out. He, we are being told. What, what did he? Okay, what was the quote? Hold on, let me. I, I don't. I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to misquote it. I, I love the quote. I love the quote. Never let your enemy tell you how many of you there are. You know, and that's what's anybody that's trying to you know paint that narrative. I mean, they they could be on the wrong side of um who who they want who you want to be. So, like I said, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna hold these thoughts. But like I said, okay. the question, the thing I like, we talked about, and we uh, we talked about a while ago on PS. You got this about how can we make our communities better. So I, I'm like here to Malcolm X myself. I'm thinking to myself, why not the communities around America get together and says, go to the politicians and say, listen here, you need to find out what we need to make us better in this life. Not what you think we need, but what we need. Ask us what we need. Don't just try to figure out for yourself. Find out what we need. So I think that should be something that, you know, America should focus on. Right, right. But yeah, we're going to get now, out of here, Rob. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, now, yeah, we're gonna, I was going to say we're going to go ahead and get it. We can go ahead and get out of here now. And I just wanted to say, you know, good night to the folks. You know, I love y'all. Peace. And I'll continue this conversation off air. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, definitely. But um, like I said, so, yeah, I want everybody to focus on this. Like I said, um, get together. Reach out to your um, your your um, aldermen. Reach out to your, uh, your congressmen. Your, um, all the people that in your community, the leaders, whatever, and and 
make them understand, ask us what we need to make our lives better. Don't figure it out for us. Ask us what we need. So that's what I want everybody to focus on this week. But uh, until then, next week, we're going to be back. And uh, we love y'all, man. We're going to get out of here. I'll hit the button. I know you already said goodnight, but go ahead and say goodnight again. All right. Good night, folks. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely...